0: All right, well, let's open our Bibles to the book of 1 Peter. Now, uh, all of you um, who have been able to keep up with us over the Facebook uh, messages that have been coming across, you, you know that we have been going through the book of 1 Peter, and now we find ourselves in chapter 3, starting on verse 8. So whenever you do look at the title there, let's go ahead and get it, get it up. Um, I guess my clicker has run out of battery juice over the last however many months. A Christian's response to evil and reviling. Now, as appropriate as this title to this message is due to the current events that have happened, I do not have an agenda this morning. Okay, this, uh, we, this has just happened to come and fall on a Sunday after these events have been going on with a lot of evil and a lot of reviling going on in our, in, our, um, uh, in our country and in our city and in our towns. I'm not preaching with an agenda, but however, I will speak the truth of God's Word this morning to you, even concerning some of the c- circumstances that we do face. But over the last few weeks, we have addressed certain areas in our lives in which we are to live in a way that reflects the nature of God, And honors Christ we've spoken about our relation to the government and how we're supposed to be submissive to the government we have seen how we are supposed to behave in relationship to our employers and how our wives are to our husbands and our husbands unto our wives and today we are getting into a very kind of a general instruction from the Apostle Peter here and in dealing with evil and reviling and so how do we deal with that as a Christian and I want you to hear me very clearly This is one of those things that you must learn and understand and commit and purpose in your heart to do before the circumstances come your way. Because our natural inclination is to do exactly the opposite of what Peter is going to instruct us. So this is something that you can't just be reactive to, but you need to be active in preparing yourself to behave like Christ has called us to behave. Now what we find here is that we, are, we have instructions for us when we are faced with evil and reviling. In verses 8 and 9, what you will find is you will see a kind of a list of do's and don'ts. And we'll start with verse 8 with the do's. In verse 8 it says, Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous. Now, this is obviously what we want to do. This reflects the very nature of Christ and should be the characterization of all believers and followers of Jesus. The first thing we see there is be of one mind. If there is any group of people that is to be unified, it is the body of Christ. Why is that? Well, we have one perfect example that we should all be striving to follow, and that is Jesus Christ. We have one source of information that is the grounding, which is the grounding and the foundation of what we believe and what we teach. The thing that we, um, I can't think of the word I'm trying to say here. Uh, It's the thing by which we use to judge all things, which is the scriptures. So we have Christ as our example. We have the teaching of scripture. And when each individual follower of Christ does his part in growing spiritually, the natural byproduct is the body of Christ is united. And we all have our own responsibility in that. Yes, we do encourage one another. We do teach one another. But if this is the source, the grounding foundation of what we believe and how we live, the body of Christ, when they observe this and they hold it in its proper place, we are unified in that just as a byproduct. Now, that's something that we are called to maintain is the unity that we have in Christ. And God's people should be unified, be of one mind in our faith, one mind in Christ, Unified as a body, we are to be one in mission and what we are called out to accomplish by Jesus Christ and one in doctrine and in our teaching. And the foundation for all of that in the body of Christ is God's word. When we find ourselves operating and moving in a way that is contrary to his teaching, it's an impossibility for us to be unified in that. So we must find that to be unified. Having compassion is the next thing. No, the body of Christ, the people of God should be of all the most compassionate because we have received such compassion through Jesus Christ. We've had forgiveness of our sin. We've been given eternal life. We've been adopted into the family of God through what Christ has done and therefore we should also be compassionate to the people in the world around us. Being compassionate means to share in each other's sorrows, share in each other's needs and in their defeats. If one of us is sorrow, then we should all be sorrowed for along with that person, to be there to encourage them in their defeats. If we have a need that arises within the body of Christ and we have the resources to meet that need, we should come together and meet the need of our brothers or sisters in Christ. Having compassion on one another also includes celebrating in the victories and the joys. A lot of times whenever we see people get victories and we see them doing much better than we are, we can kind of back off and be a little bit bitter and just kind of be jealous about that we as a united body in christ are to celebrate in the victories that are found within the body of christ as well as the sorrows and the defeats being tender-hearted or loving loving as brothers is the next one loving one another we are the most we should be the most loving people jesus said how is the world going to distinguish you from the rest of the world for your love for one another for your love for one another being unified loving one another because we are not the enemy the people of the world are not the enemy we wrestle not against flesh and blood but the powers of darkness that are in this world love as brothers be tender hearted the best way that I can explain that to my in my mind is don't be hard hearted don't be a jerk right that was almost that was almost the title of this message but I, I skipped over that you know don't you know don't be hard hearted be tender-hearted, with compassion, loving people, and trying to understand what, what it is that Christ has called us to do in being in this world. And be courteous, not to, esteem, not to esteem ourselves higher than we ought to, but to esteem each other as greater than ourselves. Love sacrificially as Christ has loved us. Now that's what we see as far as the do's. Now here comes the difficult part and the bit difficult challenge. In verse 9, what we find here is that we are told not returning evil for evil, nor reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. Can you understand why you have to purpose in your heart before you are faced with these kind of circumstances? Because what is the natural reaction when someone um, commits an evil act against you? Commit that evil act right back. Right? What about when somebody talks about your mama? (laughs) You're going to do everything you can to come up with a better yo mama joke and insulting them. If someone insults me and they make me feel pain because of what they said, my natural inclination is to say something back that's going to cause them just as much pain, maybe even plus one. He's telling us here, Do not return evil for evil, nor reviling for reviling, but to be a blessing. Nobody wants to be a blessing to somebody who's being a jerk to you, who is committing evil acts against you, who is who is um, reviling and saying nasty things about you. That's the difficult part here, to have an understanding. It's actually not a really difficult part to have an understanding, but a difficult thing to actually live it out practically in our lives. It's very difficult. So my question is, before we get through, we look back and we saw, you know, even through government, you know, there were there were some... There were some limits to that. You know, if the government made something illegal that God has called you to do, then it's a place for civil disobedience. If the, if the government was to, um, is, was to force you to act in a certain way that goes against your conscience, according to the clear teachings of the Word of God, then we are, there's a place for civil disobedience there. There's a place for, there was, there was some limits in, in the fact of your employer. If he was being abusive, then you probably want to find a different employer. Submissive from wives to your husbands. If you're in an abusive relationship, there's some limits there. So what is it? So whenever I started kind of going through this, and what's what is this? Is there does this mean that we are never to resist and protect ourselves or our family or our property? That's another question that that is there. So does this mean that if I'm being attacked in my home and my family's in danger, that I'm not supposed to render evil for evil? What's the question there? Well, we'll start. We'll begin to answer that before we get to being a blessing that we may yet receive a blessing. You have to act in wisdom when concerning with these types of questions. And we're, and we're going to find that the Bible is not contradictory here, but there are, there are certain circumstances in how, how we deal with evil for evil, or evil with not for evil, and also reviling with not reviling. And the wisdom that we find here is found in James chapter 1, which is just a few pages back. You can also go ahead and plant your thumb in Romans chapter 12 as we try to unpack this, as we try to unpack it. In James chapter 1 and verse 19, it says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So be swift to hear. Now oftentimes whenever we, someone does an evil act against us, and sometimes when someone reviles against us and we find ourselves in a position of being offended, it would be very good for us to take an opportunity to be swift to hear. There may be a misunderstanding on your part, or there may be a misunderstanding on the other party's heart, on the other party's part, to gain an understanding. I don't know how many times that I personally have been offended. Fly. That I have personally been offended by someone whose intention wasn't to be offensive. Anybody else there? Yeah. And their their, their intention was not to be offensive or to attack me, but I needed to be swift to hear to find out about the situation before I lash out in talking and before I lash out in my actions. It's very wise to try to gain an understanding of the situation before you open your mouth or do anything. So be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to speak. To wrath. Notice there's not a command that you don't ever speak or you don't ever give a defense, but be slow to. Make sure you don't act foolishly before you act. And actually in, in, um, in, Pete, in First Peter chapter 3, we're going to find once we get down to verse 15, that we're actually commanded to give a defense verbally about the hope that was within us. So I don't think that the teaching of Scripture, one, is that Christians are to be so passive, to be run over and to, be, and to take taken advantage of. I don't believe that that's the teaching of rendering evil for evil or reviling for reviling. So let's, let's look a little bit further. Romans chapter 12. In Romans chapter 12, what we find here is the same teaching word for word, but also a little bit, more, little bit more explanation in the case. In verse 17, it says, Repay no one evil for evil. We just read that, right? Have regard for good things in the sight of all men that's wise we should see the we should see the betterment of mankind all around us and look for those to make opportunities to even help and aid in those things to make the people's lives around us better if it is possible as much as depends on you live peaceably with all men In verse 19, beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, I think it's very clear that those evildoers and evil speakers, that even we have the obligation. In, in following Christ and his teaching here to do good to our enemies. If you go back up a few, thing, a few, few verses, you'll see, bless those who persecute you and do not curse them. And we have obligation in, in everything to make peace with our enemies, make every effort to possibly come at peace with them. But what if that doesn't work? What if they continue coming? What does a king, whenever he notices a nation, who's getting ready for battle to come on him, and he sent his messengers out to try to make peace, but yet peace cannot be arranged and the enemy is still coming. So what happens? Does he have a place to defend himself here? If you have an enemy who shows up at your doorstep wanting to do harm to you and your family, do you, sit, do you invite them into the kitchen table and say, here, have a cup of coffee, would you like some donuts with that too? When your family is in danger and you're in your danger, do you have the place to be to defend yourself? Well, the Bible says here, render not evil for evil. But my question for you is for the protection of yourself and your family, an evil act. No, you're not rendering evil for evil. You're fighting evil with good by protecting yourself and your family and your property. This is something that you are called to do. Now, what does the scripture say about this? Let's go, there's a few different verses that we want to look at. In, in, um, in Luke chapter 11, verse 21, this is what Jesus said in, illustrate, in an illustration that he was making. But speaking positively, when a strong man is fully armed and guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 26 says, a righteous man who falters before the wicked is like a murky spring in a polluted well. In Nehemiah chapter four, when they were building the wall, they were instructed to be strapped with a sword in case they were attacked by the enemy and that they may defend their nation. So see, I think it's very clear within Scripture that at least we are to be prepared to defend ourselves. But also I also want you to know protection of yourself and your family and your property is not an act of evil, it is a defense against. An evil action. So when does this tip over? So where do we draw the line? I would say that whenever those evil actions and those evil revilings cross the line of being an act of war against you and you've done everything that you possibly can to make peace with your enemies and they yet keep coming. I believe that we are called to have a defense there. Does that make sense? It's very quiet in here. But I wanted to bring that perspective out because I do believe that we have a God-given responsibility to protect our family. If my family is in danger, I will, with my life, protect my family. I believe i would be honoring God in doing so. But if someone's just talking about me, even doing evil actions to me, that's not really threatening me in any way, I am not to return evil for evil. You know, if I can still, if I can, with everything within me, if at all possible, look at verse, in in Romans chapter 12, and verse... In verse 18, if at all possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceable with all men. If you can make peace with your enemy and stay at peace with them, and you can maintain that peace, then by all means do so. We look at the example of Dave, Daniel, as we talked about a few weeks ago. In the example of Daniel, he was one who t- was taken captive into Babylon, and yet he was an outstanding citizen there, trusted with the highest honor uh, of position and authority within the land. He was able to live at peace with his enemy, even in the midst of a, um, in, the, in the midst of uh, being imprisoned by the land of uh, Babylon. And even we see here that Peter instructs these people, do not do not re- return evil for evil or reviling for reviling, even in the midst of persecution, where they have been driven from their homes. And, and driven into a different regions, he said, "Look, don't. There's still no excuse to render evil for evil. Be at peace as much as you possibly can with your enemies." But not only not rendering evil for evil. Back in First Peter chapter three, in verse nine, not not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. So it's not only not to not to abstain from that but to be active in being a blessing to those who curse you and to those who persecute you and those who speak evil against you. Do everything you can to actually be a blessing to them. Folks, we are called people. As we go back just to uh, chapter two, we can look at verse nine, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of the darkness into light. You are the children of God and you are to be a blessing to all people. As Christ has been a blessing to all people, that you may inherit a blessing. So, what is that blessing? Well, we'll get to that very shortly. But look at verse 10. In verse 10, it goes on to say about how to live the good life. How many of you want to live the good life? How many of you want to see good days? Well, there's some really good information here. Very simple, very practical, not necessarily easily, easy to do because our natural inclination is to not do these things. But however, in verse 10, it says, for who would love life and see good days? Well, the person who does this, let him refrain his tongue from evil and let his lips, and let, and let his sip and his lips from speaking deceit. So don't speak evil and don't tell a lie. Okay, don't speak evil and don't tell a lie. Let him turn away from evil. Okay, that's pretty, that's pretty easy. Okay, pretty easy to understand. Don't speak in an evil manner towards your, towards your brothers and sisters or towards your fellow man, and don't do anything evil towards them. But it even goes a little bit further. It says, let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. That's our active part. Obviously, we can abstain from speaking evil and doing evil actions, but it is our part to actively pursue in, in, in maintaining peace with our enemies even and to seek it and to pursue it and do good. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If, he's, if, he, is, uh, if he is thirsty, give him something to drink. But we are to pursue good and to maintain peace with, with those people, with the world. Now, what does it mean to be a blessing that you might inherit a blessing as we read in verse 9? Because if you are someone who can control yourself and control your tongue and control your behavior and can, to, and, and can speak a blessing and can be a blessing and do good, in verse 12 it says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and the ears are open to their prayers. So, what does it mean to be able to get a blessing? Well, the first thing that you may want to do is to act and behave in a way that honors God and it merits, maybe not merits his attention, but gets his attention. He says, the righteous are the ones who I'm watching and the righteous are the ones whom my ears are open to hear their prayers. If you want to receive a blessing, the best thing to do is to position yourself in a way, in a way where the, um, the one who's a blessing giver is willing to do so. Do good. Speak well. Be compassionate towards one another. Be of one mind. Love your brothers. Be tender-hearted and courteous. And when we control ourselves and control our mouths and our actions, the eyes of the Lord are upon us and his ears are bent towards our prayers. And that he may bless you. Now you may not receive the blessings in this side of life. You may receive the blessings on this side of life. But I believe when we act and behave righteously, following the example of Christ, it does not go unnoticed. God sees, God hears, and that we may receive a blessing. So to be a blessing, don't don't return evil for evil. Don't return reviling for reviling, but be a blessing to your fellow man. We also find out what happens when we don't. In the latter part of verse 12, It says, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Obviously, the best position here is to have the eyes and and the ears of the Lord bent towards you. But those who do evil, his face is against you. Now, what we find in the clear teaching here is that render evil for evil is not okay. To render reviling for reviling is not okay. We are called to be a blessing to all people, to pray for those who persecute us, to love our enemies. And everything that is said and done that offends you does not always constitute a response. Every message that comes up on Facebook that you're offended by doesn't always require a response. I've typed up many responses and erased them. <laughs> but another thing that I see this, that he who would love life and see good days let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. And also, com- put together with James, you know, chapter one and verse um, in verse 19, you know, be slow to speak. You know, we don't need to, be, we live in a world where it seems like everybody is just looking for a reason to be offended. Just looking for a reason to start a fight, looking for a reason to claim war, as opposed to actively trying to be peaceful with our fellow man and to be at peace. And if we're going to live the good days and see good days, you know, I can't think about how miserable it must be that someone might be to constantly be looking for a reason to be upset. How about look for reasons to be a blessing? That should really be the mentality of God's people. How can I be a blessing today to someone? But we also see that however, whenever we are faced with an act of war, defense is necessary. I believe that there are places within the the church to be very active in protecting some of those as well as standing up for what is right. We live, in a, we live in a nation where we are killing babies who have no protection. We live, we live in a place where, we, where, where some are viewed and others are less than others. Folks, we are about a calling that God has put on our hearts to stop being evil. And we do have reasons to be active. We do have reasons to protect our families and our friends. But the thing I want you to hear this morning is do not return evil for evil or reviling for for reviling but be a blessing. Look for a way to be a blessing in actively doing good towards someone as well as protecting those who who have not the means to protect themselves and be a blessing to your world. Be compassionate. Love one another. Be tender hearted and be courteous. Let's have a word of prayer, and as as we have a time of reflection this morning, I would pray that you would just take some time this morning, pray for our country, pray for our people, and ask God to speak to your heart this morning how you can be a blessing to others. Father, we just want to thank you.